a razor blade left in a gay activist's mailbox, and a series of dolls dressed in garments based on costumes worn by contestants in Samoa's first Fa'afafine beauty pageant in the 1980s are included in an exhibition of queer objects. Some of the 47 items have been made, others were found by or gifted to the more than 40 artists, designers, craftspeople and architects who've contributed to Twisting, Turning, Winding, Takatapui and Queer Objects. Do take a look at the photographs we have for you on the Standing Room Only webpage. I chatted to the curator, Richard Orgis, and to one of the contributors, Yuki Kihara, who's currently in the Netherlands after attending the Venice Biennale, where her exhibition Paradise Camp has been enthusiastically reviewed. First, Richard explains the origins of the show, or temporary archive, as it's also being described as. The exhibition started with conversations with the director of object space, Compatin, and it came at a time where I was um, finishing up my PhD that was looking at queer representation. Um, There was this flourishing of really overtly queer uh, exhibition um, happening around Aotearoa, and also the um, publication of queer objects by Chris Brickle and Judith Collard. That had quite an international focus, um, even though it was published here. And it, it really asked academics and writers and activists how they might respond to the idea of a queer object where we approach makers of objects and specifically people living and working in Aotearoa. The quite simple brief um, that we gave them, we looked at who was making uh, queer or takatapui-themed work. And we, we looked at uh, artists, designers, craftspeople, and we approached them to choose an object that they had in their possession that could be held, and that for them had a queer or takatapui resonance. And because we're dealing with creatives, this, was, um, this sort of expanded with certain people and became other things. But what we got in the end was a collection of found objects, gifted objects, and and obviously objects that they had made themselves. And of course, it's the stories and the emotions behind those objects that really make this, because I suspect some of the things, I think there's a surfboard in there. So without the story, you're not getting the full experience and meaning of it. Because I guess some of these objects, you know, if you just looked at them, you wouldn't have a clue. 100% right. So some of the objects um, are very small and they might confuse a viewer. Some of these stories are amazing and they're heartfelt. And, you know, there's also um, this idea that there might be a takatapui or queer sensibility. But this this show really blows that away. It shows the diversity of experience and thought. Yeah, and it is a very eclectic show. And I think people really enjoy that, that rich and vastness of objects and narratives that they'll get out of it. There'll be some that are, are, are joyous and happy, but I get a sense also that there are some that are quite painful. I mean, in the release, there's a story of the razor blade left in the mailbox of a gay activist. Me reading that, yeah. I feel that's very threatening. Yeah, I mean, that's one of um, you know the most startling works in the show, and that's from Welby Ings, who was actually my PhD supervisor and... Um, You know, he was very active around gay law reform um, in the mid-80s. And that was actually something that uh, a threatening gift someone had left in their letterbox at the time because he was very um, prevalent in the media. And it's a um, cigarette box containing a bloodied razor blade and cotton wool. And it's doused in fake blood, which we think is cochineal. Um, But what's really important about that work, it talks about how far we've come socially. 
in terms of law reform. And I think this show would have been very different 10 years ago and very different 20 years ago. And it really talks to the intersection of a vast array of subject matter. So we're looking not only at diversity in gender identity and sexual orientation, but how in today's landscape they intersect with things like whakapapa, connections to the environment, the ideas of reacting against norms or the status quo, um, or very personal uh, relationships about lost love affairs. It's very interesting. And I think, it, um, yeah, I think it will surprise and delight audiences. Yuki, I'd like to bring you into the conversation here. You've had such a busy few years, what with the Venice Biennale and other works. So when you were approached to take part in the exhibition, why did you want to? And what of yours do we see here? You know, when Richard approached me about the show, I was uh, really grateful to be considered uh, because there was a, a, a work that I wanted to uh, produce, but I just uh, needed to have an occasion to, to make it. Um, so the uh, work that I'm presenting is entitled A Night to Remember, and it's a series of dolls uh, that are dressed in evening gowns. Um, so A Night to Remember is a title that, uh, that was derived by a contestant. Um, her, uh, her name is um, Frida Waterhouse. So she was one of 19 Fafafine contestants that uh, competed in the uh, Samoa's first Fafafine beauty pageant in 1983. In my work, there are uh, seven dolls. And uh, each of the seven dolls are wearing evening gowns uh, based on the recollection of uh, Frida's experience of participating in uh, what is significant to Samoa's uh, Fafafine history. The thing is, is that this uh, Fafafine beauty pageant that was held in Samoa in 1983 uh, was at a time when uh, there was still a law that was still floating around at the time, uh, which uh, forbid biological males uh, dressed in women's clothing in public. Um, and then so this law actually was uh, part of a law of the uh, ordinance, uh, crime ordinance of 1961 that was um, introduced on the eve of uh, Samoa's uh, independence uh, by the New Zealand Colonial Administration um, imposed two laws that were uh, directly targeting the Fafafini community. So one was a ban on homosexuality, and the other was a ban on female impersonation by any male in public. Um, and anybody was caught uh, breaking these laws, was fined, and, in, uh, and was imprisoned up to six months. And I believe that part of the reasoning behind New Zealand um, colonial administration's target against Fafafine was because they saw the Fafafine community being an impediment towards uh, Samoa's progress in becoming a post-colonial independent heteronormative nation. And then so I wanted to present, you know, these series of dolls, you know, not only just to imbue these uh, histories into these dolls, but to also uh, speak about our resilience um, as Fafafinias, you know, in the post-colonial era, you know, given that, you know, today we celebrate our 60th anniversary of Samoan independence. 
Um, so it, back in 2013, um, the, the female impersonation law was abolished, but homosexuality continues to uh, remain illegal in Samoa. You made the dolls yourself? Um, so the dolls are being uh, repurposed. So these are like Pacific dolls that are found in thrift shops, um, you know, or, you know, that have been collecting, you know, all around Tamaki Makoro over the last decade. And then so these uh, dolls were very stereotypical uh, depictions of Pacific people, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, shabby costumes. Um, and then so what I did is that, you know, I removed the costumes and dressed them up in, um, in evening gowns. And, um, yeah, in each of the evening gowns, uh, you know, represent uh, each of the seven contestants uh, that competed in these, um, you know, the first uh, Samoan uh, Fafafina beauty pageant. Um, it's actually based on a photograph, uh, uh, based on a black and white photograph of a pageant that was taken by an unknown New Zealand photographer that Frida showed me. Gosh, Richard, I can I can only imagine how it's been for you when you were receiving the work from Yuki and the other artists and the architects and the craftspeople to this. These really powerful, thoughtful stories contained in these objects. Thanks, Yuki. I know Yuki's been extremely busy and it was such an honour that um, she could be part of the project. And um, it did make me think about the, the origins of the word curator as, as someone who cares for things and um, I'm coming to this project as an artist. Contributors trusted object space and myself to look after what are very precious things, but also to trust us with their stories, which are very personal. Um, and um, I hope we do our best to, to honour that and honour the manner of um, these objects. And this is a, a temporary archive. So you bring them together for a period of time and then they'll be returned? Yep, absolutely. And the framework too around the, the show looks a lot at queer theory and this idea that queer is something that um, is constantly in flux. It's always changing. So it's very appropriate that we that we bring something together and then it goes back out into the world and back to where it became. You know, it's been really interesting to think about sex and gender identity within the context of Aotearoa and the richness of that. Um, one thing that I kept returning to in the show was um, a papaho, a, a carved wooden treasure box that resides in the British Museum. And it's from the 18th century. And it has these very intricate, Beku face figures intertwined in sexual union. And, and some of those figures are same-sex couples. It makes me think of the lineage of queer objects that has existed in this country, um, but also the idea of what a treasure box does. It's something personal. It's something that... Um, we put things in to protect, and also the value of things. They move from the universal universal to the, to the very sentimental. I think that's what the show does in many ways. Yeah, it talks about value. It talks about questioning hierarchies. It questions or, or thinks about all of these divisions we put between creative practice as well. And that's to me, is a very queer thing. So to disrupt the notion of art or craft or design, things that you know, might be throwaway, like we have a stream of practitioners making work from literal rubbish. And then we have practitioners dealing with, you know, the most precious materials. So, yeah, I think that that idea of what queer might do and how that might be something quite interesting and something surprising, because I don't, I don't think there's a universal 
in terms of what Takatapu and queer artists and designers do, but I think there is a shared way of being an outsider, possibly, that questions things, that's open to disrupting things, that sees the importance in representation. Curator Richard Orgis and artist Yuki Kihara, Twisting, Turning, Winding, Takatapui and Queer Objects has just opened at Object Space in Tamaki Makaurau.